Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. I'm Jesse Thorne. It's Bullseye. So there is a new show coming to Netflix. One of those shows where the title kind of tells you everything you need to know. It's called Medical Police. Yes, Medical Police. It stars Rob Hubel, who's my guest. Rob is a veteran comic actor. He broke through in 2007 on the MTV sketch show Human Giant alongside Aziz Ansari and Paul Scheer. He's been in many, many other things. Maybe you know him as Les from Transparent. He was on The League. He was on 30 Rock. And maybe his best-known role was on the totally bonkers adult swim show Children's Hospital. Children's Hospital was a medical drama parody where pretty much all of the doctors are truly awful at their jobs. He played Dr. Owen Maestro, who was also a bad doctor. Owen used to be a cop in New York City, but left after September 11th. Children's Hospital's last episode aired in 2016. Which brings us to Medical Police. The new show picks up where Children's Hospital left off. Focusing now on Owen, played by Rob, and his ex-girlfriend, Dr. Lola Spratt, played by Aaron Hayes. Here's the premise. Lola and Owen discover a deadly virus, one that could end life as we know it. And together with the government, specifically the Centers for Disease Control, the two of them start traveling the world to see who made the virus and find a cure. They are medical police. Here's one of my favorite scenes from the show. In this clip, Lola just confessed she's having cold feet about the mission. And as you're about to hear, Rob's character is giving her a pep talk. Hey, now listen to me. Come here. Remember what happened to us in Berlin? Yeah. We got shot out of the sky and left for dead. Yeah. No backup or support. And what did we do? We kicked And then we continued to kick Florence, Sudan, Denmark, and France. Also Florida, to a lesser degree, Latvia. And now here we are beautiful. Shanghai. Yes, Shanghai, China. Which is where we are. Yes. But isn't it a matter for the police? We are the police. And we're doctors, which makes us... Cop doctors. Oh, I was going to say doctor cops. I like that better. Look, I appreciate what you're trying to do. But you know what would make me feel better? Guns. Well, I really thought they were going to let us bring them on the plane. That's my bad. <laughs> Rob Ubel, welcome back to Bullseye. It's nice to see you. It's, uh, I'm pleasured to be here. Thank you, Jesse. Congratulations on this very stupid television show. It is so stupid. <laughs> and when I hear stuff like that, it makes me laugh so hard. That's my favorite sort of comedy is just dumb silliness. I watched recently, all I, I have a TV VCR at my cabin. And I was whoa. There's a lot to unpack <laughs> right yeah. there. And I was at the thrift store, and I found the the VHSs of uh, Police Squad. Yeah, the television program. Yeah, wow. And I watched those recently, and I think it might be my favorite kind. I mean, for like, I'm I'm supposed to be a comedy sophisticate. We're on public radio, of course, right now. of course. I just like ten thousand jokes in a row. Yeah. <laughs> And silly jokes too. Yeah, I loved all that stuff, like airplane, and um, you know, the, just all those really kind of silly 
movies and stuff where there were so many jokes going on. Like even in the background, there would be some something funny happening in the background while the people in the foreground are talking seriously. <laughs> I'm like, laughing because I just remembered one when you said that, which is there's this one episode where they're talking about police stuff in the foreground and then in the background a gurney or like a, whatever a gurney that doesn't have wheels is called. A like stretcher? A, a stretcher. A stretcher comes into the scene, but then as the guy is carrying it, it just crosses the entire frame and keeps going and going and going and going and going like one of those um, uh, handkerchiefs that comes out of a magician's pocket. <laughs> yeah, oh, just the longest stretcher <laughs> yeah, in the world? Yeah, it just keeps yeah, going yeah. and going and going. Yeah. And then the man must be 40 feet long, and then yeah. finally the back end of the stretcher <laughs> crosses the... I love yeah. stuff like that, man. I think that stuff's so funny. Uh, w- what else did you really love when you were a kid? Well, my mom was like a big comedy fan, and I have two brothers. I'm in the middle, and we all kind of grew up kind of like with my mom's sense of humor, I think, because she just sort of raised us on like old, you know, 70s SNL and like, you know, John Belushi and uh, Dan Aykroyd and and when Steve Martin was on there. So I loved all that stuff. And then, yeah, like, you know, later Eddie Murphy. And so all that stuff for sure. And then, you know, I loved like uh, in the 80s, I loved all the like anything Chevy Chase did. I loved, you know, Caddyshack and like my brothers and I used to just quote every line of Fletch. Like I knew every single line of Fletch. You know, I just thought I really wanted to be Chevy Chase. You know, he was just so funny and physical. And like, I I love that type of comedy. You know, I love actors that can do that. They can be like, they can seem really serious, but then just do something really silly and dumb, like fall down the stairs or get hit by a car. Like, I just think that's so cartoony and funny. I'm not surprised to hear you say that you were a fan of Chevy Chase. And I, too, am a fan of Chevy Chase. I could watch Chevy Chase do Chevy Chase stuff yeah. indefinitely. Old Chevy Chase, yeah. Yeah. Classic Chevy Chase. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few things recently he's been quite good sure, in. Sure, sure. But I love to watch him be say be an idiot with a completely straight face and i love to watch him be a monster with a completely straight face yeah both of those are funny to me forever i think that i mean when when we started doing children's hospital and i do think that cordry and david wayne and those guys that uh, that write all this stuff for us like they're such fans of that style of absurd comedy you know it's like dumb comedy for smart people that sort of stuff to me just makes me laugh so hard and like just you know so when you're shooting it it just becomes a a contest of trying not to laugh you know because you're just saying the craziest silliest stuff but you're saying it like a doctor or in this show we're saying it like a cop something because in the show we're doctors and cops now which <laughs> makes total sense and um so yeah so just to say stuff that's really absurd but with a totally straight face and like say it with like a sense of urgency and sincerity is so fun to me like it just makes me because as soon as they say cut you just laugh so hard you know but i think specifically one of your gifts and like if you compare it to rob cordry who created children's hospital the show uh from which this one is spun off yeah and i should clarify i'm not a fan of his right at all you I know, understand. Like we have an ongoing feud uh he, so both personally and professionally you're not a fan of his correct 
Right. Yes. Personally, I have a restraining order against him oh. and uh, he's not allowed to even look at me. A legal restraining order? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure if the guy that I did this through has any sort of law degree. Did this you a, just do it at one of those document places where they like fill yep. out yeah, it was like a guy, forms for you? Yeah. It's like a guy in a van behind the Safeway mm-hmm. and he filled out a, I filled out a form and I took a picture and then he sped off and I assumed that it got processed. So did you no, get that on Craigslist? I did get it on Craigslist. Yeah. So it's reputable. Right. So- Great list. Yeah, so so Cordry can't mess with me. Rob Cordry's on-screen character is as silly as yours, but I think Rob is uh, kind of a sweet doofus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because he's just got such a he's got a very winning smile. I think he could sell any doofusy thing with it with his sweet smile. Yeah. You on this show to some extent, but in a lot of things, you often play a truly bad person. Sure, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take that. And that's what makes me think <laughs> of that's what makes me think of Chevy Chase's and yeah. Chevy Chase's performances, yeah. which is like you have played so many Brads, Chads, yep. Devin, Terry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Devin for sure. Yeah, a lot of Todd's, Tad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just Gavin. Just people that you that you wouldn't want to be friends with. Yeah, they're usually. I specialize. I pay my rent like playing jerks. And you're a nice man. I want to stipulate that you're a nice man. I know I've known you a long time in real life, and you're a, you're a sweet guy. And I appreciate life. that. Thank you. I think you're a sweet guy. Yeah, but I mean that's why I like playing those people and and again like i think just with my brothers you know just growing up horsing around the kitchen table it's just you sort of develop your sort of little toolbox of what you're what you're funny with and what kind of what kind of guy you can do you know and i was sort of good at doing the jerk guy you know just the oblivious guy who's like cocky a total idiot though you know but he thinks he's like super cool or something so yeah i just think those guys are because I'm because I don't think I am like that, but when I see people like that out in the world, I'm like, come on, look at yourself, you are such an idiot, you know. And then so I just try to remember what that guy was like and sort of channel that person, you know. I heard that you and uh, kids from your neighborhood would knock off Saturday Night Live sketches for parents. Oh my gosh, yeah, I don't know who does your research, that's awesome. Yeah, we would do. There was a girl in our neighborhood who lived down the street from us and we were, um, they had kids all of, that matched our ages. And so we would play with these kids a lot and their older sister would tape Saturday night live and then transcribe it. And then we would put it on like the next day or something or like then a couple of days later. So we would basically just do verbatim SNL sketches, which by the way, the writer's guild should come to my house and arrest me for doing that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we would just do that. You know, I th- I'm sure I was like eight years old, 10 years old, and we would just do that in our friend's basement for our parents or whatever. And our parents were probably like, where are they getting this stuff? These kids are geniuses. The Coneheads? What? What? Cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheese. You know, like where are they? these routines that they're coming, these characters, you know, and we're just totally ripping off. Like not even parodying, like just verb reading back the sketches from the previous night <laughs> what's amazing about it to me is that you are part of a cohort of performers who all became professionals many very successful professionals and you did it by pursuing the one comic art that 
absolutely cannot be a career. So improvisation. Yes, correct. <laughs> like there are like there's there's like you're not going to make money. Eight people at the Second City in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, uh, who do half improv. There's a few people on a Second City cruise ship somewhere. Yeah, they make money. Yeah. There's some people at a thing called Boom Chicago in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam, yep. And that's the full complement of professional, full time professional improvisers. And those in people the world. make money. Yeah. Everybody yeah. else, the uh, the hundreds of thousands of other young people doing improv are not getting paid. It's not uh, a lucrative uh, a hobby at all. You're, you're, you're not going to make money. But, I mean, the thing that it does give you is um, you learn to write because you're essentially writing on your feet. You're making stuff up with someone else as, you're, as the audience is watching. And so it's, it's basically writing. And so that sort of muscle um, for me has, has paid off in other ways. You know, like now I feel like I can – I can sort of write comedy better or come up with a lot of times. Like I feel like when I get hired on a show or uh, a movie or something, I'm like, I think why I got cast is to hopefully improvise a little bit, you know? So, so usually the director to come and do a Rob Hubel, they want, <laughs> they want a Rob Hubel type to come and do a Rob Hubel thing. I hope so. Oh God, I hope so. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I assume that like, they're going to kind of let me do my thing a little bit and, and let me kind of, improvise some and, and sort of try to beat the jokes that they already have, you know? So I'll, I'll do all the stuff that's scripted for sure. And let's get that. And then hopefully they'll let me do, you know, a run of my own ideas also. But yeah, so, so I think it's hopefully paid off in other ways. And, and I kind of got very lucky in back in New York, um, doing commercials, like, uh, cause I was doing all that improv stuff and sketch comedy and for free, as you mentioned, and then somewhere in there, I took a commercial acting class with like Jason Manzukis and Jessica St. Clair and like Lennon Parham. We were all in like the same Brian Husky. So we were on like the same commercial class together. And then from that I got I started getting commercials. And so then I was I was able to like kind of quit my little day jobs, you know, and just make that sweet sweet commercial bread. I'm talking about the Olive Garden, bro. I'm. T- I guess we can't name people on this show because you can name. You can name. I'm talking about McDonald's, the Olive Garden, uh, FedEx, Kinkos. What other corporations did I plug? You were inconsiderate. Cell phone I was. Guy. That was my. That was one of the first commercials I did. I was, and that was for. I don't think this company is around anymore. There was a company, a cell phone company called Singular, and they had a commercial that used to play before movies across the country, and it was just a reminder to turn your cell phone off. And it was just me being a jerk on my cell phone. It's called Inconsiderate Cell Phone Man. And so it was just a montage of this guy in terrible situations being a jerk on his cell phone. Hello? Pedro? Inconsiderate Cell Phone Man. You're at the concert? Thanks for the invite, Glenn. You tell her I'm tan all over. I think I, I mentioned I was going to interview you on Twitter, and several people brought that up. Buddy. That's something that will follow you to, to your my grave. grave. To my grave. That will follow me to my grave, and then there's a meme of me that will follow me to my grave also, in, which is from Children's Hospital, which is me um, in a uh, with a, a very thick mustache, um, not as aggressive as yours, but um, in a blue tuxedo throwing glitter. And uh, so that little gif is out on the internet. And that's a little moment from Children's Hospital. 
But now that that gets sent around everywhere, that gift for like birthdays and, you know, whatever. So I'm like this meme. And I, I do think that when I ultimately die, like get hit by a bus crossing the street, they'll play that at the Emmy Awards, hopefully like, oh, in memoriam. <laughs> and they'll play like my little glitter clip. <laughs> Should be awesome. <laughs> he was the poor man's Rip Taylor. We <laughs> knew right. him from a gift. Again, just ripping off Rip Taylor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll finish up with Rob Hubel after the break. Stay with us. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. You know how every year you vow that this will be the year you start keeping up with the news more? Well, that resolution just got easier. The NPR Politics Podcast is there every day by 5 p.m. to keep you up to date on all the latest political news and explain what matters. Listen daily. Hey, gang. Jesse here, the founder of Maximum Fun. And with me is Stacey Molsky, who is, among other things, the lady who responds to all of your tweets. Hi, everyone. I also send you newsletters. Uh, so anyway, something really awesome. You... MaxFun listeners have given us the chance to do something really cool on behalf of our entire community, and we wanted to tell you about it. Last summer, following the MaxFun drive, we put all of the enamel pins on sale to $10 and up members, with proceeds going to the National Casa GAL Association for Children. Your generous support and enthusiasm raised over $100,000. Our bookkeeper, Steph, would be quick to tell me the exact total is $109,025, to be exact. Your money will go toward pairing kids who've experienced abuse or neglect with court-appointed advocates or guardian ad litem volunteers. In other words, kids in tough spots will have somebody in their corner. Knowledgeable grown-ups who are on their team through court dates and life upheavals and confusing situations, whatever. The money we raise together is going to help a lot of kids. Whether you bought pins or not, you can help us build on that $109,000 foundation. Make a donation to support National Casa GAL and help some of our nation's most vulnerable children at MaximumFun.org slash C-A-S-A. That's MaximumFun.org slash CASA. And seriously, thank you. Our community rules. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Rob Hubel. He's an actor who's performed on Transparent, in Human Giant, on The League, and more. He's the star of the new show, Medical Police, a spinoff of the hit Adult Swim show, Children's Hospital. It's a spoof about doctors who carry guns and travel the world fighting disease and crime. It's streaming now on Netflix. You became a father a few years ago. Yeah. And your daughter was born very prematurely. Yes. What were the circumstances of it? Ooh, Jesse, we just took a hard turn, buddy. We did. We were talking full-on comedy. I know. Um, no, I can do this. I've talked about this before. The good news is, is my daughter is super healthy, and she's a maniac, but she's super healthy. <laughs> she's three, and she's like is she's tall and strong and lean, and she's driving us crazy right now. But yeah, she was born at 26 weeks, and so you know a full term baby is, I believe, 40 weeks. And um, so this baby came, however many weeks that is early, you know, and so came four, 14 weeks early. She was under two pounds when she was born, and she was just a tiny, tiny, I mean, she was, you know, a 
basically a baby bird, you know, like just the smallest little thing. And um, we don't know exactly why it happened. I mean, they try to kind of go back and, and figure it out later, but there, there's not that much that they can tell all the time. And so, you know, my wife basically just started having contractions. We were like furniture shopping over, we were, luckily we were near the hospital and, and all of a sudden my wife was like, uh, um, something's wrong. And like, I was like, what's wrong? And she was like, I think we need to go to the hospital. And so we just sped over to the hospital and they took her up. Initially they, we thought like, oh, okay, they can just slow down these contractions and everything. You don't know what's happening. And it's the most terrifying thing because you just don't have any clue, you know. So we thought, well, they'll keep her for a few days and they'll slow down these contractions or whatever. So that turned into a week, which turned into 10 days. And then finally, they just couldn't slow down the contractions anymore. And so it became the sort of thing of like, we think you're going to have the baby tomorrow. And we we're like, wait, what? Like, what are you even talking about, you know? A baby born at 26 weeks, that's pretty close to like the cutoff point of viability of, of whatever that is survivability. So this baby came three months early and then we stayed in the NICU over there for 117 days. Now I've kind of like put it in a box in my mind. So I don't really open that box that much unless I'm on a podcast like that. <laughs> no, you know, we, we at the time we're, we were so freaked out by it. That kind of all we could do, I didn't know anyone else that had gone through that experience. And um, so at the time, all we would do is like look through Instagram for hashtags that matched our daughter. So we would like search 26 weeker or preemie or hashtag NICU or anything like that. And we would find someone that was in the same situation that we were. And then we would just like scroll through their Instagram and look to see how it panned out for them. And so sometimes it worked out. Sometimes they had, you know, really complicated situations, you know, so we just didn't know what was going to happen. And ours was like two steps forward, one step back. But, you know, we finally got her home after 117 days and she was on oxygen for like six months at home. But, you know, now she's doing great. I, I just always try to be as public about it as I can, because when um, it's like anything, like whatever you're going through, Someone else has already gone through it and someone else is coming up behind you. So, uh, it, uh, you know, if, when people reach out to me on like Instagram or Twitter or whatever, I just try to be as, as open about it as I can because it was so scary for us. And all you, all you are looking for is like someone to tell you that things are going to be okay. A family member of mine had two very premature children, the, the first around the time in her pregnancy that uh, your wife had your baby. And uh, because she, my, my family member was preeclampsic and in fact nearly died Oof. in the process of, of having the baby. And the babies are, the, the kids are both doing great now. Yeah. And then, you know, the, with the second child, because of her uh, preeclampsia and the first, they, they had the baby on purpose early to keep my family member safe. And one of the milestones that I remember from those girls growing up, and they're both like preschool age now, was the point at which there was no longer two ages being kept. Yeah. An age from the day they 
were born and an age from the day that they're they were scheduled to be born yeah yeah it's real like uh my daughter was supposed to be born on december the uh 28th but she was born on september the 28th and so there you know that adjustment that adjusted age you have to factor that in for the first like few years because people are dealing with them as though they are one age, but they're, they're really this other age, you know, and then eventually that line becomes blurry and blurry, thankfully. And, um, and then it just kind of melts away and then you're like, Oh, they're now they're just this age. But yeah, that is a, something I remember so vividly of just like having to explain that to everybody, you know, like, well, she's this age, but she's actually this age, you know, just to doctors and therapists and stuff like that, that, that you're dealing with. But, um, yeah, I mean, the human body is bananas. <laughs> I mean, that's an understatement, but like, it's just crazy to watch. Like I, I picked, I, I picked our daughter up from preschool today and she like ran over to me and she's like laughing and talking about some bug that they were all laughing at outside or something, stupid bugs. And, um, and it's just like, it's just weird. Sometimes I just look at her and I'm like, because I know how she started and it's just, it, bl it blows my mind into like, into oblivion to think about it. Like that, that you can go from something that is so tiny and fragile and like just barely hanging on to life to just like, keep going, keep going, keep going. Like, and then you just keep going and going. And then you become this full on person with like opinions and, you know, now she's like making jokes about stuff, you know, and like tr cracking us up. And like when she goes to bed at night, my wife and I are like so tired and like pour a giant glass of wine and like sit on the couch. But like my wife will say like all the time, she, my wife will say like, isn't it weird that she's ours? Like, it's so weird. I think sometimes when I see a picture of my family members, kids, you know, on Facebook, they live in a different coast than I do so I don't get to see them in person that much but I think like if something that that my family member told me is you know if this kid had been born when I was born you know I was born in 1981 it's not like I was born a thousand years ago but if this kid had been born the year that I was born I wouldn't get to look at, at a yeah. healthy four-year-old. Yeah. The, obviously, I mean, medicine is just, you know, expanding and, and doing all of, the, of this awesome things like at, at such an exponential rate. But like, yeah, we had, I remember, <laughs> I remember when we brought our daughter home, we were having work done on our house and, um, the contractor was like, you know, this big burly guy who had a beard that would rival your beard, Jesse. I mean, <laughs> you guys should have a beard fight. I don't know if people know Jesse's beard right now, but it is it is aggressive. Um, no, it's awesome. But uh, so this guy was like, oh, yeah, I was a preemie. I was born like, you know, 28 weeks or something. I was like, oh, really, man? That's so cool. And he's like, yeah, I, you know, but back when I was born. You know, my mom did when I came home, they put me in a shoebox and they would put me behind the stove to keep me warm. And I was like, for real? Like, he was like, yeah. Like he grew up in Minnesota or somewhere. And I was just like, man, like life can just f 
fight. Like, it's just amazing, like, how he, the human <laughs> humans will will just fight. They are fighters, you know? Do you feel like having gone through something like that has affected the way that you approach the rest of your life? Yeah. Yes. And, um, you know, uh, it, it sort of puts everything in, in perspective, you know, in, in whatever it is, like, I feel like everybody's, you know, they say everybody's going through something. And so I just try to remember that now. I just try to, I think I'm more aware of that maybe that like, oh, I went through this there are other people that are going through this right now. There are people right now at the hospital that are in NICUs all over the country that are going through this. So if I, if anyone hears this or knows anyone that's, that this might give them some encouragement, like I love that I have that thing now. Like my wife and I have that thing. We have that thing that we can be maybe of some little help or encouragement to somebody else. Because before I didn't have that. Like I was just a guy doing my thing and making comedy and trying to, you know, be funny in movies and stuff. But I didn't have like a thing that was like, oh, I can actually connect with you about a real life thing. And I might be able to encourage you in some way. So now like we have that, you know, and. I think if you look at your life like that, or if you look at the, like those hard things, how can I try to use that as a way to be helpful to the people behind me that are going through that also? And I mean, you know, you have stuff like that too, where whatever it is that, that is in specific to your family or your kids or your marriage or your something that you went through at work, you know, whatever the, everyone has or will go through something that's like going to give you your thing that you can help the person behind you. You can throw a rope down to them and be like, grab on. Cause like I can, I can hopefully give you a little bit of hope, you know, Rob, I really love your show medical police, which is a show in which you play a doctor who becomes a doctor policeman yeah. and travels the world doctor policing in the style of a, a television procedural show. Cop doctor or doctor cop. I can't even remember. Yeah. Medical police, medical, medical police. That's it. Medical police. And I don't want to, uh, <laughs> I, I want, I'm just going to play just to, as a sort of like eating a cracker when you're doing a, uh, wine tasting or something yeah i'm gonna play one more stupid clip from your oh, stupid show that i love please before we go you and your partner dr lola spratt have apprehended someone that that you thought was a terrorist and shot and killed him and then they figure out or they shot him i think they shoot him in the arm yeah we shot he's him in not the arm. quite dead yeah he's not dead he's he's hanging on and then you realize that there's this whole other explanation for all the clues that you thought were for sure the reason that he was definitely the guy what's a terrible day this is turned out to be um I, f I feel that we may have really messed up on that one yeah i'm with you <laughs> Scene. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, this is kind of funny. This is very um, funny. <laughs> you know, we actually thought you were a terrorist. 
because I'm Muslim. No. What? No. No. Oh my God. No. No. If anything, in spite of that fact, no. Trust us, we have had precisely that conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're yeah. also not suggesting that there is a simple one-size-fits-all solution no. for these problems. No. This is the kind of dialogue we should all be having. Thank and you. And that's exactly what we've been saying. I agree. I agree. Thank it's you. The, it's, the, it's a give and take. It is it's a, a give and take. It's a give and take. It's a everybody. It's a it's give a, and take you know, for all of us. Assistant Hilo! Hi. Hi. Um, thank God. Listen, so uh, we shot him, mm -hmm. but we also saved his life. Mm -hmm. So it kind of evens out. That's what cop doctors do. You can shoot someone and then you just patch them up. Move on move on down the road. Rob, thank you for thank you for your candor talking with me today and thanks for this great show that uh, it's high-spirited stupidity will uh, bring great warmth and comfort to many people's lives. <laughs> thanks Jesse. I, I'm a big fan and uh, I love doing the show. Thanks for having me. Rob Hubel, Medical Police is so funny. I cannot even I cannot I cannot tell you how funny Medical Police is. It is full of laughs. Uh, I can't wait for you to see it. It's streaming right now on Netflix. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is produced at MaximumFun.org World Headquarters overlooking MacArthur Park here in beautiful Los Angeles, California, where there was a film shoot in the park. Not an uncommon occurrence. A lot of great movies have been shot in MacArthur Park. The subject of this one... Two guys wearing matching gray tracksuits, both wearing bright red shoes, with identically styled beards and man buns. Then, later on, they changed into leopard print. Our show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. Jesus Ambrosio is our associate producer. We get help from Casey O'Brien. I just saw with a giant electric piano in the office. Our production fellows are Jordan Cowling and Melissa Duenas. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW, though who knows? Maybe Casey's gunning for his job. Our theme song is by The Go Team. Our thanks to them and their label Memphis Industries for letting us use it. And one last thing. We have done almost two decades of Bullseye and uh, the show that preceded it, The Sound of Young America. We had Human Giant on when Human Giant was new. Rob Hubel's MTV sketch group. You can find that interview on our Bullseye page at MaximumFun.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search for Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. You can keep up with the show there, and I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. 